fathers more than anyone else, you set the course for your daughter's life. You are the first man in her life. You are the first authority in her life. Our daughters need you to love like men. They need you to live like men and they need you to protect them from the toxic world like men. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are so blessed that you have decided to join us. We have on this show myself, John Heinen. We've got Devin Shod, who is the executive director of Father St. Joseph. He's a prolific author, a speaker, and close friend. We also have Sam Guzman, who is a mental health counselor extraordinaire and a man who is not as impressed with uh, Oral Roberts praying hands there in Tulsa as other Tulsans, but uh, <laughs> that helps us love him more. Um, and uh, and we are just so glad that you've decided to join us. Coming up on today's episode, we are going to discuss what we have learned raising daughters, what we as fathers have learned about our role as dads. There are nine daughters um, that are, if you add all of our daughters together, um, that are, are collective there. I've got two. Sam's got two, and uh, Devin bringing in with the win, he's got five daughters. And so we have um, quite uh, thoughts among us. The goal of this episode, though, is to bring wisdom to aspiring fathers or new fathers, bring things to help you um, bring clarity to your role as a father to these beautiful young women that God has entrusted with you. It is also for older dads to basically take on that yoke, take on that mantle of fatherhood, something that is we are so blessed to to have. And, and maybe you've had a rocky um, start or, or you've struggled a bit, just like all of us, and hopefully we can help reignite um, that call within you. Um, finally, if you like what we discuss, uh, head over to Catholic Gentleman Plus. This is a great way to support the Catholic Gentleman, but it also gives you an extended version where every single week we go into a longer conversation on the theme or topic of that week. So this week we're going to be going into more elements on being a father to your daughters. And every single month, in addition to these extended episodes, we're coming out with new sessions. This month we've got Outward Appearance, and we're going to be talking about the importance of being a man and what that looks like to others. Uh, so anyways, thank you again for joining us. So here we are as fathers. I will start out by saying I am so incredibly blessed with my daughters. I was blessed that God gave me two daughters and Gemma and Gianna, they are my oldest daughters. And so they're my oldest children and they are um, daughters, which is a unique blessing, I think, for me as a father to have uh, such loving, caring, and uh, sensitive uh, young women as my daughters to help with my sons <laughs> that uh, are enough for all of us to uh, pull our hairs out and uh, and do that. So, um, Sam, I wanted to hear your thoughts on your your daughters and, and the blessings that uh, they brought to you in your life. Yes, well... Um... I have two uh, older sons, so my daughters are are actually in the middle, uh, and they're about uh, a year apart, um, year and a half. I don't know, something like that. But they're they're close enough in age that they are best buddies, and act like twins. One of their favorite things to do is to dress identically, uh, and then come to me and say, "Dad, which who's who? You know, can you figure it out? <laughs> who's who?" And of course, I know right away, but. But I, you know, play along and pretend like I can't figure it out. 
but uh, they they're they're basically like twins, and they're they're so sweet and love girl stuff. You know, mm. everything sparkly, unicorns, you know, fairies, all of this stuff, and uh, they they just find all of that uh, absolutely mesmerizing. Um, so they're 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 just wonderful. They add so much joy to our life, um, and it's really yeah, it's taught me a lot uh, about being a dad. Um, having these beautiful little ladies in my life. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. So, Amen. Yeah. My daughters are 12 and nine uh, for our listeners, uh, just to kind of give you an idea. And I have learned so much about being not only a, a better father, but also a better man, you know, through my daughter. So Devin, uh, your, your daughters are older and they're all, <laughs> I'm um, older. <laughs> they're more, uh, I'd say they've, they've experienced more of life and, and you've got five of them. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So my oldest is 25, next 24, next 23. She's uh, special needs confined to a wheelchair. We literally do everything for her except for breathe. Um, And then we have a 17-year-old who thinks she's basically 28. (laughs) And we have a 12, well, 13-year-old. So uh, quite a range there. Um, But I think that the one thing that I can say about my daughters is that they have been a big part in healing me. Mm. And what I mean by that is as as a man or as even a boy, I grew up with a very disordered understanding of women. Mm. And and not only that, as an insecure young man, I grew up with an inordinate desire for women. And those two things, that misunderstanding of women and that desire inordinately for woman needed to be healed. <clears throat> and so through my wife and these five beautiful daughters, I can I can claim that. I can say that God through them has worked a marvelous miracle in my life. Mm, yeah, thanks be to God. Well, I think that's awesome. I will say that I was a man of um, a lot of pride, and my daughters have humbled me in a very good way. And, and I mean that seriously, like you think you're generous, but then when your oldest, like my Gemma is just above and beyond more generous than I've ever been in my entire life. (laughs) It was, it was a really great Testament to be able to, to witness that just natural desire to give and to love Mm -hmm. that she has. And it's been, it's been incredible. So yeah, I think that's an important point right away. And not that this is one of the points we're going to make, but we made this in a previous podcast is that women just by their very nature are innately giving. It's very Mm. natural to them for the most part. Whereas we, as boys, we're innately competitive and um, we're fighters, you know, we do have a sentimental side of course, but so it's really important that we understand that they're different. I mean, that was one thing that was like, wow, they are so different. Like they think differently, they act differently, they operate differently. That was something I just really, it took time for me to get my head around, Yeah, you know, just the way they interpreted reality, the way they reacted to it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. So this episode listeners, we are going to be talking about two chief premises, um, that fathers need to be aware of as it relates to their daughters. And then on the second premise, we're going to be talking about five ways to do that successfully and the full extended version of, of this, um, episode. And so, uh, I want to start out with like a battle cry. Fathers more than anyone else, you are, you set the course for your daughter's life. 
You are the first man in her life. You are the first authority in her life. And let's be honest, we live in a fatherless society right now. And so many, if not the majority of all the problems can fall back to um, to failed fatherhood within the lives of, um, and father wounds within the lives of individuals. And so our daughters need you to love like men, they need you to live like men, and they need you to protect them from the toxic world like men and from the darkness. And so that's why we're here. I feel like we are on a crusade to rediscover fatherhood and something that we need to uh, take very seriously and something that um, this conversation will hopefully help um, within that. So, uh, the first premise and uh, Devin's written a lot on this. And so I'm so grateful for him being here, um, to, to really help, um, in our conversation here. But that first premise is, um, you have the power to build her or destroy her, which is exactly what I was mentioning right there at the beginning. So Devin, why don't you take that away and discuss a little bit about what we mean by that? Yeah, I think a story would help contextualize this. When my first daughter Mattingly was born, I had no idea about fatherhood or anything. And I remember she was maybe a month, month and a half old, two months old. I can't remember now, but she had um, caught a virus and she was having difficulty breathing. And so I called the doctor and the doctor said, you know, doctor's office said, just take that syringe, put a little saline solution in it, shoot it up into her nostrils and then suck it back out. Okay. So I was holding her. I put the saline into the syringe and I put some into her nose. Well, when she knows it, she stopped breathing. Mm. And um, literally, she was dying in front of me. And I didn't know what to do. I flipped around. I had her now. The belly of her uh, was in my arm with her with my hand kind of around her chin. And I just started, you know, kind of banging on her back. And out of her mouth came a huge amount of mucus that was just, I've never seen anything like it before. And I was so, after that, I was so worked up. Literally when I was holding, my knee was bouncing off the ground. I was having a nervous mental reaction to it. And after she survived, I went in the shower, I, I, I took a shower and I just wept mm. because I, I didn't realize the fragility, the tenderness and the dependence of this child on me. And in that moment too, I also realized analogously the great weight and responsibility overall that God has given me in my fatherhood to raise this child. And a, and a, a girl, a daughter is like a, a tender little seedling, you know, and that seedling, you want it to grow up into, let's just say a bush or a tree or something beautiful, maybe a beautiful flower, but there's a lot of factors to it. You give it too much water, it'll drown. You don't give it enough water, it dies. You give it too much sun, it scorches. And, and so you put her in the sun of the world and you just say, go baby, she's gonna dry up and she's gonna get scorched and burned by the world's allurements and promises. You, you hide her away and put her in a bushel basket. She, don't, she doesn't get enough sun and she has no way to relate to the world. You give her too much rain, that is too much of what she wants, TVs and apps and phones and tight pants and dresses and whatever's gonna help her to fit in and temperance and all that immodesty, she's gonna drown in those rains you know, those waters of depression. And, and if you don't water her enough with your love, your tenderness, your attention, and just your, yes, your intentionality to exclusively pin in on her and love her, she's going to die. So mm. we really, as fathers, and statistics prove this hands down, I'm not going to recite them. 
but I can just tell you this, there's books galore on this, that a father's love, there is nothing that measures to it that is like it in a daughter's life. And it really can be a huge, it is a huge factor in determining the trajectory of their faith, of their virtue, of their morality, you know, teenage pregnancies, you name it, addictions, you name it. So she's delicate and she needs our love, but she also needs to be built up in strength. Sam. Yeah, uh, everything Devin is saying rings true for me as well. Um, And what I would summarize it, how I would summarize that is mothers teach a daughter what to do, what femininity looks like. Um, Fathers, though, teach a daughter who they are. Mm -hmm. What you do, who you are, you know, and fathers have a unique power over a daughter's sense of self. Likewise, mothers with sons, but behavioral experts, you know, people, not not just experts, but humans who have observed human behavior have noticed this where boys want to be like their father, but they love their mother, you know, and it's like girls want to be like their mother, but they love their father. They, they have, there's a unique desire for that, for that love and that affection. And it's like, tell me who I am. Tell me, am I worthy? Am I worthy of love and affection? And if you know, if you give that to your daughter in a healthy way, um, like yeah, she just blossoms, like like Devin is saying, you know, like there's just that security, that confidence, that attachment that gives her a foundation for the rest of her life. But also the the, the converse is true. You know, you can destroy her sense of self. You can provide her with a nagging sense of insecurity for the rest of her life of anxiety, of self-doubt, of unworthiness. And so I know we're painting with a broad brush here, but girls need uh, mother love and father love. But it's just different. They need them both, but they're different. And and just fathers have that power over a girl's sense of identity. Um, and so take that job seriously. You know, I remember holding my my first daughter um for the first time and yeah again just a very similar sense of wow you know like this this little girl is so dependent on me and so um uh, eager for my attention and affection and that became apparent right away she like played she was totally daddy's girl almost immediately and uh you know we developed a very special bond right away and still to this day, like she's a huge, huge daddy's girl, you know, and, and that's, that brings me so much joy as a dad, um, but also that sense of responsibility. Um, so yeah, just know that like you, every day your daughter's going to be asking, who am I dad? Am I worthy of love? Am I worthy of care? Am I worthy of, you know, your time and attention? And if the answer is no, like it's going to devastate her and she's going to seek that fatherly affection in all the wrong places, that male attention in all the wrong places. And it's going to lead to a lot of heartbreak. Um, so just take that, take that job seriously. Yeah, no, I, I very much agree. I would say that we have the ability to set the pace of our daughter's um, 
vocation and of our daughter's uh, relationship with God the Father and how he is interacting and engaging with her life. And I think that this is heavy. And when I first learned that our job as fathers is to image God the Father to our daughters, I didn't quite know how to experience that or how to accept that. And I'll be honest, I kind of just compartmentalized or I tabled it, if you will, of like, hey, I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to, I don't need to, I don't need to think too deeply on this. But the older I get and the older my daughters get, the more I realize the truth of that statement that we are imaging God the Father. And so it is divinely ordained as such and uh, to to help bring our daughters to the fullness of who God is calling them to be. And I would like briefly, because I think it's important at this point, Devin, to talk just briefly, kind of anthropologically, you know, from Scripture um, uh, about this. And what I'm thinking of specifically is um, that um, that last Scripture in Malachi, right? That um, <clears throat> of what God is calling us to at the end of the Old Testament. And I know in many Bibles, it is the actual last um, verse of the Old Testament there in Malachi. Um, I have it in front of me, but if you would like to, um, I don't know if you you prepared anything. I don't yeah. want to. No, I didn't take prepare it away. anything. Great. Up, yeah. I'm happy to, happy yeah, to go so, for it. So in this, throughout the Old Testament, God is working on us fathers. He's working on us men. He's helping us understand what it means to be a man, what it man, st- understands to mean to be a son of the father, and, and then to be a man, and then to um, uphold that mantle of fatherhood ourselves. And at the very end of the Old Testament, he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. That's a big statement. Those are, those are big statements. And, but that's what, and then, and then Christ comes, right? And then we have the fullness of truth and we have the ability to understand love and to understand charity and to understand all the grace that is necessary to be fathers that's at our disposal. And so I'd love to just uh, hear from you, Devin, a little bit about this divinely ordained um, role and um, part of our creative you know, creation here as fathers uh, to our daughters and its relationship to how they will experience God the Father. Yeah, this is powerful. Um, boy, I could talk about this for hours and I would love to, but I won't bore everybody. But the, I think there's something in that passage that's very, very powerful is that God is saying, this is my game plan. I am speaking, this is my voice through the prophet. Malachi is not speaking. God is speaking through the prophet Malachi. And God is saying, in the end, before that great and terrible day, whether it's nuclear holocaust or whether it's a second coming or whatever, I am going to turn the hearts of fathers toward their children and the hearts of children toward their fathers. So that danger, implosion, the world's demise can be avoided. Now, what's going on here? When a father turns his gaze of affection and love and attention and affirmation and delight upon his child, his daughter, especially if he says, you're wanted, I desire you as my daughter. I love you. I claim you as my own. And I want to spend time with you, et cetera, et cetera. And he turns that gaze of love and affection toward her. He becomes an icon of God, the father. 
He becomes the voice of the father that she can't hear. He becomes the face of the father that she cannot see. He becomes the touch of the father that she cannot feel. And hence, she not only turns, and this is the key, this is the key to everything. It boils down to trust. What we as fathers are doing is we're cultivating trust in the relationship and winning trust in our daughter's hearts. We're planting it there, we're cultivating it, and we're, we're trying to get it just to stand up tall. And so we're cultivating this trust by giving them that gaze of love, that voice of love, that voice of the father, the touch of the father, the, the gaze of the father, so that they not only turn to us, but they will turn to the one whom we represent. And this is precisely why I think we have a famine of fatherhood right now is because men may be ignorant or are failing in their ignorance to do this. Now, there's something else I want to add to this. That gaze that we see in Malachi, and in, by the way, just another side note, the New Testament, the first time God speaks in the New Testament is through the angel Gabriel to Zechariah with almost the exact same words. Mm-hmm. Turn the hearts of fathers toward their children, the hearts of children, well, the doubting, the incredulous to the just, okay? It's almost exact. So this is God's game plan. Fathers are central in God's game plan because God knows that this is the epicenter of everything. The father is the epicenter of the family. He's the epicenter of the marriage. He's the epicenter of the church. He's the epicenter of the culture and the world. And our world is so dead to this message. It drives me crazy. But we have this. God has given this to us. Now there's something else. This is very powerful. If you go back to Genesis, the first time Eve, even she exists, Adam is looking at her and he is just enamored and he expresses it in, in very Hebraic language, you know, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. But he is saying, wow, you are amazing. You are everything I've ever wanted. And he's taking delight in her. This is the first thing that woman sees. What does this mean? He is an image of the divine bridegroom and he, and, and he is rejoicing in his bride. And this is what every woman longs for and our daughters long for it because they want to be the princess. I reflect on, you know, uh, uh, St. Louis Martin, right? Uh, St. Therese's uh, dad. And I wonder just, exactly what the type of father he was, because he had five daughters as well. And um, they had nine children, but four died in infancy. But they he had five daughters, and one of his daughters, right, 24, I think she died at the age of 24, and she's a doctor of the church. There was something <laughs> that that this man got right. And so let's all turn to Lewis Martin and our failings to, to help him, uh, to uh, seek his intercession, to help us. And I know this can be really heavy, fathers, because I know we all make mistakes, and I don't want, I don't want it to sound at all while we're talking about the truth that we men here discussing realize that we have lived up to this by any stretch. And so um, it's important to know that, yeah, God's grace is there with you, but it is in this knowledge that you can be the father you are called to be. If you don't have this knowledge, and I think about that all the time, you know, our, we are called to know God, to love God, to serve God. And I think it's placed in that way very for a very unique and important reason, right? Is that we've got to know God so that we can better love God. You know, it is in loving something that we humble ourselves. It is in loving something that we want to grow to the next level. And so, um, and that we can truly live our lives. It's the same thing here when it comes to being a dad and it comes to being a father is that you have to know what that means so that you can love it, so that you can adopt it, that you can accept it, that you can realize the weight of it because our daughters need our love. They need our courage. They need our fearlessness. They need our attention. They need all of that. And I think this is a good segue into our second premise here, 
which is that she has one chief need, which is to be secure in your love, right? Women desire to be secure and protected in the love of the man in their lives. You are the first man, as I mentioned, the first authority. And, um, and so we have this, and I know that we have uh, this meaning two things. So Devin, would you take it away and talk about what, what two things do we put underneath this heading of um, that she has that one uh, chief need? Yes. Uh, uh, first of all, amen, amen. <laughs> yes, everything is excellent that you just said, and and Sam, you as well. And I think, and I would like to just make this little caveat before I mention these two things, is that it was my desperate longing, talk about not knowing, not knowing how to love, not knowing how to raise daughters, etc. It was my desperate longing to love them, that they may be secure in love, that drove me to learn how to be secure in love with God. It, it was looking at them and seeing my relation with them saying, man, I've got to get this right. And in order to get this right, I've got to go back to the source to get that right in me. And that's where things really began to ramp up. I think that having children is one of the best things for men, especially in your relationship with God to discover as Sam, you were talking about divine sonship, but to be secure in love. I think there's two things here. You need, you and I, we all, we need to be the man that you want her to marry. Okay. Very important. Do you want her to marry an idiot? Do you want her to marry a, a lustful dude? Do you want her to marry a guy who's addicted to pornography, a guy who's jobless or doesn't work hard, a guy who's just whatever, lazy? No, you want her to marry a great man, a man who will protect her, who will provide for her, who will lay down his life for her. And guess what? That man is you. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you need to be the man you want her to marry. And the second thing is, and is very important, be the father you want her to believe that God is. Be the father you want her to, to believe that God is. Because if you want her to believe that God is generous and God is benevolent and God is faithful and God can be trusted, then you and I, we need to step into that and do our best as, as, as humanly we can, but aided by God's grace to be trustworthy, to be benevolent, to be good, to be patient, to be kind. Yes, it's firm at times and disciplining, but yes, being all those tender, affectionate and present because that's what God is for us. So this is, as I said earlier, this is all about cultivating trust between you and your daughter, me and my daughter, because they have this one overarching need. And, and this is a key. It, if, you, if you make her, in a sense, secure in love by God's grace, you have her affection forever. But not only that, there's a great possibility that she will be faithful to God forever. Yeah, no, so true. And the two work together. I want that to be known is that the two are working together. If you get one right, you're going to get <laughs> the other one right. You know, that uh, that we are striving in one direction and in that direction, those things can be filled, but it helps us with our, you know, our, our limited brains and our, um, you know, one-tracked minds to to break them up, right? You got to be the man that she wants uh, uh, to marry and that uh, you have to be the father that you want her to believe God is. I think those are so great. Sam? Yeah, I, and and the, this idea of security is so important. And I, I think there's two aspects of security that I want to highlight. One is you and yourself communicate the idea that that love is constant. 
And, and, and admittedly, you can only control this so much because sometimes there can be inaccurate perceptions. But sometimes, like, you discipline your daughter. Or maybe you're too harsh. Um, or maybe maybe sometimes you're too indulgent. You give in too much or whatever. Like, there's imperfections there, right? But at the end of the day, does she know that she's loved? And does she never question that? That's what will provide the security. It's not perfection that provides security, but it's that fundamental deep down knowledge. She feels loved by you. She knows that you care for her. And there's another dimension to this that I think is really important. She's going to be watching how you treat her mother. You can be the most indulgent, like, you know, doting dad in the world. But if you're, if you're tearing down her mother constantly, if you're belittling her mother, ignoring her, being angry with her all the time, it's going to create a tremendous amount of insecurity in her. Like, well, if I do the wrong thing or if I don't measure up or if I don't, you know, please dad in the right way, like he's going to be angry with me. He's going to reject me. He's not going to love me. And I don't want that. Um, so that consistency, like that consistency in communication is, I think is really important, but also how you treat her mother. There's one other thing I want to mention too, uh, that I think is a, is a really important dimension of security and, and this idea of being the man that you want her to marry. And that's making sure that she is safe with you in the sense that Girls have big feelings. Okay, let's just let's just put that out there. Like my daughters, like they can my my eight year old can melt down over objectively really silly things, and so can my six year old. I mean, like they just they get so worked up. Wait till they become and, teenagers. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, I know. I'm bracing myself, but but it's big feelings like all the time, right? And as dads, that can be incredibly frustrating, right? Like you just need her to get her shoes on because we're heading out the door and she can't find the right shoe and she's having a fit, you know, or like maybe she, it's bedtime and you've gone through the whole routine and then she pops out of bed and is like bouncing all over the place and has all this energy. And then you tell her to get back in bed and it's tears and screaming and wailing and like hurt feelings and then drags it out for another 45 minutes. Like that can be hard to handle as a dad. I admit yeah. that. Uh, and I, and I, I think you guys can relate. But what I want to say is, like, at the end of the day, she still needs to be safe, like to feel safe with all of those big feelings. You know, like she, you need to be that container, like you need to be the grown up, really. But also you need to, like, help her uh, learn to manage her emotions. Yes. But also let her know that her emotions are safe with you. Yeah. Like if you're constantly belittling her, shaming her, trying to shut her down, just getting her to to shut up and comply like some sort of drill sergeant, like that's going to do a tremendous amount of damage to her. And she's not going to feel safe because, you know, men have emotions too. We've talked about this before and we've done several episodes on like the interior life of men. Yeah. Uh, but for women, like it's, it's, it looms so much larger, I think, and, right. you know, and if they don't feel safe emotionally, they don't feel safe period. Um, even if they have a roof over their head and they have, you know, uh, all of those physical needs met, if they're not safe emotionally, it's going to create a sense of underlying um, anxiety, but also I think a fundamental sense of rejection. Like 
dad can't handle me. He can't handle who I am. I'm too much. Like, and then that creates all kinds of, of other issues. And so just encourage you, like make space for those, those little girl feelings. It can be so huge, you know, and like, let her know that she's safe with you. You know, the times when my daughter's having a meltdown and I just scoop her up and put her in my lap and love on her and just say, it's okay, sweetie. Like, it's okay. Like she calms right down, you know, she snuggles right up and, and eventually the storm passes. But in that moment, she feels loved. And like that, that is critical. That's much more important than compliance or, you know, just getting her to do whatever is important to you. Um, so take take time and and help her feel safe. Yeah, the security in love is a huge, huge need. And I think that we do need to protect our daughters from those things that cause them insecurity and especially from ourselves. And, you know, I think, you know, we can get into the five ways more more practically how we build that security and love. But just an example here, which speaks to, I think, maybe like the fifth one, which is um, she needs to know that God loves her and God has a plan for her. It's very important. That's very important. And I remember my daughter, Mattingly, they, they all took piano. And even if they didn't want to, they took piano. And Maddie was not like, like Gabby, our second, she could just get on the piano and play anything. She could make yeah. up her own music. She's amazing. And Maddie wasn't like that. Maddie was like the note reader. She memorized the note. She learned, you know, and she, but she was very good. And they would have conf, or, uh, concerts every year. And there was this one concert that was at the mall. And there was tons of people there. And she knew her song inside and out. She's very good. She got up there. She started playing. And then she froze. Mm. And then she went to play it again, but she couldn't even hit that key. She just froze. And she got up and she came back and she just walked right off the stage. And that's so unlike her. She was a finisher. She was so good at everything she did. And, and she just broke down. And one of our kind of traditions is after these recitals or after their big events, whatever they are, concerts, whatever, we take them out. I take them out for coffee or I take them out for a little dinner or something like that. And I was going to take her out. And so I took her out and I said, you know, to her, basically I reassured her, I said, Maddie, look, we all know you can play that song. Fantastic. And you might not have the talent to play in front of crowds, but you have the talent to play that song mm -hmm. and reassuring her. But this was the key. In that moment, I could just see her perking out. I could see her just coming back to life and almost developing like this strength again. And I realized something in that moment was that I was loving her not based on her performance. Mm. And this is a key for fathers. It is. If you really want to be a father like God the Father, and this is a huge lesson for me. And it, it's not like I, I get this right all the time, or it's, and it took me a while to understand this. But if I'm going to really love my daughters or love my sons, if I had sons, but if I was to love my children, <laughs> if they disappoint me, that doesn't mean I love them less. If they please me and delight me, it doesn't mean I love them more. I love them the same. It's constant. It's always, it's, it's gotta be at that peak level because they're mine, <laughs> because they're mine and I'll do yeah. anything for that child, you know? And, and this is God, the father, he doesn't love you because of anything you do or your produce or your talents, or your gifts or your looks or money or whatever. He loves you for one reason and one reason only because you're his. Yeah. And he's proved that by sending his son to die on the cross to claim you for his own. That's it. 
And and I, I and Maddie believed that so much that the next year she showed up not by herself, but in a duet with her sister who could bang out the songs by heart, mm -hmm. you know, and they played a duet and it was beautiful. And so she got back on the horse. And I think this is a key. You want your daughter to be confident. You want your daughter to be morally, you know, strong, virtuous. You want her to be skilled in life. You want her to persevere and be patient. Give her God's love, which is to love her no matter what. When she fails or when she succeeds, no matter what, your eyes are on her, your eyes are on that ball and you're loving her. You're loving her like crazy. Yeah. I'd like to just mention a little bit about what you said. Uh, uh, the reverse of that is, is when they succeed, right? Not loving them more. I think that's a danger I've fallen into myself. My wife and I have had this conversation many times is when they do really well on report cards, you know, or something along those lines or, or, or um, yeah, had a great recital or something like that. We, you know, dote on them all the more, right? And that can also be a very sensitive area. We have to be very cautious of that because if they feel like they're only getting your love um, when you are proud of a specific situation that they have done well, uh, then they are going to be be searching just for that. And that's going to be carrying uh, a certain weight and pressure upon them that's not love in the end. And, and it's such a good point. Yeah, Devin. Yeah, speaking to that, we one thing that I did very early on, it had to be a gift from the Holy Spirit. When they would perform well or when they would do some well, I would congratulate them, but I would say to them specifically, I would say, you know I love you for you. I'm really mm. pleased with what you did, but this doesn't make me love you anymore. I love you intensely because you're you and because you're mine. And the same thing went when they failed, like when they're punched. Do you think I love you less? I'm very much a communicator with my children. Like I, yeah. I still, they're older now and I think I drive them crazy, but I'm like, do you know your father loves you? Do you know I love you? Do you, yes, yes, Papa, yes. Do you know how much I love you? Yes, I, we know, we know, you know, but that's the thing is to communicate that over and over and over again. And I would say, don't be afraid to communicate that or ask those questions like you're, like you're saying is like, you realize that's fantastic you did that, but that doesn't change my love for you. I already love you intensely. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's important that we do communicate these things. Agreed. Yeah, and, and when you're communicating that, learn how your daughter feels loved. I mean, this applies for any relationship, your wife, your, your sons even, but yeah, your daughters too. Like, how do they uniquely feel loved? This is that whole love languages idea, right? But, mm -hmm. but this idea of that, is it time? Does she want to go on a date? Like, does that meaningful to her? I have one daughter who just, she just loves to spend time. She doesn't really care about stuff. Like she just wants to spend time. But I have another daughter who loves gifts. Like it just makes her feel so special. She treasures it forever. When you like <laughs> give her the smallest thing. Um, you know, one time I gave her like, it was like a little uh, cardboard jewelry box that I, I got in her mom something. And like, I gave her the box and she just like treasured that box so much. It was like so unbelievable to me, but yet she did. And like, so is it, is it time? Is it gifts? Like, is it that communication? Like just those words of affirmation, like you're beautiful. Like is it, what does she need? And if you don't know yet, learn, like learn what makes her come alive. Like what warms her heart and, and then shower her with that. You know, in the right moments, and the, you know, yeah, in those moments that, but perhaps like even consistent moments, um, not just randomly, although that can be really meaningful too, but also like set aside some time to just connect with your daughter. 
Um, you know, one of my daughters just love art uh, and they love, you know, coloring and painting and drawing and making things and like, you know, just playing with them, doing things like that with them. Like they just, they just love it. They absolutely love it. Um, and sometimes it's inconvenient for me. And, you know, there's times when I fail and I'm like more concerned about what's important to me than spending time with them. And then there's those times when I do say yes to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm striving as a father to say yes more. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I have a really big reason, like just say yes, because it means so much to them. It just lights up their little world and just give them that time and attention. And, and it, you will reap, you know, the rewards a thousandfold, not that you're doing it for reward, but like, like that, that sense of connection will be so strong for her and for you. Like, again, it just, just that sense of security that will provide will be irreplaceable. Amen. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think this is good. We've got five ways here that you can help your daughter feel secure in your love. We've kind of already touched on them, but we want to break them down into such a way that we as fathers have something tangible, you know, write these down, you know, something that, that you can be yes. aware of and that yeah. are going to um, pay, um, as Sam was saying, um, dividends or pay, be the man that that she is in need of. And so that first one is that she must always believe that you find her beautiful. And I think that is so important. Yes, Devin. And the key to that, the key to that is that you find her beautiful. Mm. That's the pivotal point in that statement is that she has to believe through and through that you as a father find her beautiful. It is you. Not that the world finds her beautiful, not that her friends, not those goggling boys down the street, you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the importance of uh, ways that we can do this, like hugging your daughter regularly. I think that this is really important because um, I remember years ago when I read Meg Meeker's book, uh, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, that she brought that up, that she was like, I have literally dealt, uh, passed out more antidepressants, more anti-anxieties. I've had to deal with more young girls um, tell me when they're 14 years old that they have to have premarital you know, sex just to keep their boyfriend and stuff like this. And she was like, and it all comes back to the fact that they never received a pure physical touch from their father and something good that expressed their love and that beauty that they had within them. And so that's what came to mind uh, right away um, as as a um, way us men can really help our daughters. It might not be natural for you, and that's why I'm bringing it up, is that there are a lot of fathers, I've talked to quite a few, that don't want to hug or kiss their you know kid on the forehead or something like that because they just have this certain image of man that doesn't allow those things to to happen and I'm always the first to push back and uh and that if our if she's not experiencing that pure love of a father uh she's going to seek it elsewhere and then she's going to expect it um elsewhere so Sam Yeah I I agree completely and in yes like physical affection with your daughters is is so important um and but it, like that goes both ways right like you teach them what appropriate physical touch yes. is you need to have those appropriate boundaries, but also like you do need to provide that for them because they, they need that. They crave that, you know? And like my little daughter, just like my oldest daughter, like she just loves like crawling up in my lap, just sitting in my lap, you know? And like, I just like rub her back gently or something like she just, she just eats that up. And, and like, that is so important, you know, or just 
you know, sometimes I'll reach up and like hold my hand, you know, and like that, just that sense of security. You know, we talk about feeling loved, feeling secure and love, things like that. And what we often think is like, that's rational and cognitive. They know at a propositional mm. level that I love them. Look at all the things I do for them. You know, maybe I'm putting them in a private school. I buy them clothes. I put food on the table. I I paid a mortgage, put a roof over their head. You know, like surely they know that I'm loved, that they're loved. I mean, um, and and yet at the, the the felt sense, like they don't feel loved at all. Like maybe cognitively, like okay, dad's doing stuff for me. Maybe at some level he loves me. Yeah. But as far as like feeling loved, I don't feel loved at all. Um, and, and like that's always the heart level is always going to trump the head. Like they're just mm. maybe cognitively, like, uh, you know, the Pope cares about you because he's the Pope and he cares about all the faithful, but he's a thousand, you know, thousands of miles away. Like, does he really care about me? No, he doesn't really care about me. You know, it's like that sense, like you don't want to give your kids that sense, you know, that like, <laughs> like that just loves me out of some like parental obligation or duty. Like, mm. no, you want them to know that you really delight in them specifically. And I would say that, and you guys could add to it or correct me, but I think giving our daughters that, uh, that attention, like Devin, you were saying that gaze that they are looking for on a regular daily basis, um, is another way that we can affirm their beauty. And, um, you know, because they are, they are worth our gaze. They are worth our love in that, um, expression of it. Absolutely. You know, it comes down back to that uh, reoccurring theme of Jesus says, whoever looks at a woman with lust commits adultery in the heart. But then he says to Simon the Pharisee about the the woman who barges in on their dinner is probably a prostitute. You know, do you see her? There's a difference between looking at and seeing. And I, I, I have, I, I think this is so important. I try to do this so often is not just to look at my girls, but to see them, you know? Mm. And so uh, I make comments. I'm very, this is the practical side of me. I'm very intentional. I'm like, Hey, is that a new sweatshirt? You know, oh, I like it. Is that a new dress? Wow. You look great in it. Well, you remind me so much of your mom when I first met her, you know, and you know, those type of comments that say, wow, I see you. I see you. Wow, your hair looks so beautiful today. Well, it's because I showered, Dad. Oh, okay, great. But you still look great. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but but the point is, is I see you. Yeah. I I I don't I don't just live with you and accept you, but I choose you and I see you. And I love the daughter dates because it's the moment that I can sit across the table and I can really make that deep eye contact, not in a spooky way, <laughs> you know, but no. but like in a real way. And I just say, Why do you do you know how beautiful you are? You are so beautiful. You know, I just want to reassure my daughters. And I, I love, I've got this, my fourth daughter, Zelly. She's kind of tough. She's into Kung Fu and everything. And, and I'm like, do you know how beautiful you are? And I loved it. The other day she said, yes, I know I'm beautiful. Ah, it's like, you are, you, are, you are the right kind of confident. Yeah. You know your worth. You know your value. I'm like, oh God, thank you so much. Because when a daughter, when a woman knows that she's beautiful, she's not going to go begging from these idiot boys right. who are lustful saying, am I beautiful? Here, touch me, show me, look at me. And the first 
you know, lustful boy that comes along that pays her any kind of attention. She's like, oh my gosh, you're watering my soil. Thank you very much. Now I'm coming back to life. No, you've been watering her soil with the truth. And she's like, I'm not going to give that guy anything. He's a dud. I'm waiting for the real guy who's an image of Jesus Christ. By the way, that brings me to a point. Pray for your daughters. Mm. Pray that they will marry a man who images Jesus Christ. Pray that they will marry a man who images Jesus' sacrifice. Pray that they will marry a man who has Jesus' otherness in mind. And I guarantee you, you pray for that, God's going to do his darndest to make sure that she gets that guy. Yeah. And I, so so far we're two out of two. I couldn't be happier with the son-in-laws I have. Well, sometimes the first one. Tries really, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, he's great. He's actually yeah. he's just better. He's better at everything than me. So that's why he drives me crazy. But no, this is we just need to assure them so much of their beauty because in this culture, in this yes. world, they do not think they're beautiful. Everything's telling them that this is how the devil works. The devil says you know what? You're not good enough. But if you just did this, yeah, you would be all that. So he, he plays on the shame and the insecurity to get the buy-in. This is what they, porn producers do this. Well, yeah. you know, you're kind of beautiful. You kind of got what it takes, but we're probably not going to use you. And then this, then she's sitting by the phone wishing that this guy would call and finally does and she's willing to do whatever they want. That's the way the devil works. The devil says, ah, you don't really have what it takes. And then, but if you just wear a little bit tighter pants, a little bit lower shirt, maybe a little more makeup, then guess what? Then you'll be all that and more. Mm. If, we, if we water their soil, so to speak, with God's love and assure them of their beauty, assure them, and this is the key with beauty too, is I tell my daughters this, I know I'm ranting, but I tell my daughters all the time, there is nothing more beautiful than a woman who prays. Your interior beauty makes your exterior beauty all the more beautiful. Yeah. That's a big thing I hammer on. And when they start to believe that they have this interior beauty that's just being expressed in and through the body, and they believe that, they're not going to give themselves to some joker. Well, and I think this comes back, honestly, to what mm. you, I think, both said about the fact that and loving her beauty and doing it in a pure act of affection that you build her confidence within her. And that confidence will last till eternity. That mm -hmm. confidence within her as the child that God has created her to be is exactly what we are giving. When we give our attention, when we give our, um, our expressions um, to our daughter and her beauty. And so I want to move forward. I want to go on to the second one here. And the second one is here is that she must believe that you desire to be with her and spend time with her. And men, this is often a pitfall for us, right? We can be workaholics. We can, I know this was a huge thing for me when I was working like four jobs. Um, and, uh, and I would be with my children, but I would be thinking about when I could get them to bed so that I could go and do this next task, this next, whatever it was, playing the trumpet or whatever the case might be. And your daughters realize that. And so you've got to remove these things from your lives because here's the thing. And we can think of um, uh, the daddy-daughter dates, which are awesome. And I will tell you, every single time I'm able to give Gemma or Gianna um, a few hours of my time undivided, complete attention, I have filled them. And for the next five to 
10 days. They, it's, it's, it's they're going to awesome. say 10 minutes. I know it's, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. They just, you can tell they're just a better, um, yeah. girl. They're more confident. They're more, um, uh, understanding of their father's love for them. But I'm thinking about even the day to day, right? If you're not a man that can shut off, right. And when you go on daddy daughter dates, do not put that phone on your table. Sam and I have talked about that. Leave that in your car. The point being is that, they deserve your undivided attention. And if those mm. buzzes in your pockets, if any of those things are going to draw you from that, man, that adds, uh, that heaps um, uh, negativity upon our daughters. And we have to be aware that all the social studies out there have proven that if you are having conversations with your wife or anybody and you are have that phone on the table right there, you are telling them indirectly that something might grab your attention that is more important to what you're involved in right now. Mm. And so that's really important. I, that's just an aside that that occurred to me. But when I'm thinking mm. about this time that you love her, that you want to be with her, she has to know that, she has to know that you desire that, it is, it takes these heroic efforts, frankly, on a daily basis to die to ourselves and to live for love and to live for our daughters in love. So those are my two cents on thought number two. It's great. It's it's fantastic. I wish I knew that when I was getting married. That's a powerful statement. And I think back again, she must believe that you, that you yourself want, desire, long to spend time with her. And that really means that you want to cultivate a relationship with her, which means that you need to plan that out. I need to plan that out. I have to be intentional about this. I think that unfortunately, fatherhood, parenting, we just kind of go through it very happen, uh, you know, just haphazardly. It just is going to happen. It's just going to unfold. No, we have to be intentional about carving up that time because let's face it, our time is just swept up with whatever's in front of us. And work is more than enough by itself. But then you get home, you got multiple kids, you got craziness of life. It's going to be swept away. We have to put it on the calendar, our personal calendar. For us, Friday is daughter date day. Every mm -hmm. Friday, come hell or high water, and and so it's very intentional, you know. And here's here's what's at stake. I don't care how Christian you are. I don't care how big of a Catholic guy you are, and how many rosaries you pray every night with your family and all that. All that is good. I'm not taking away from the goodness of that, but I've heard too many stories and I've seen too many examples. For example, a Protestant pastor who, you know, praying every night, reading the Bible with his daughters and, you know, and he was the pastor and all that, but he didn't choose her. He didn't spend time with her. He didn't intentionally plan out time to be with her. And so her first year in college, what happened? The first guy came along, pregnancy you know and that's what's at stake here is that if we if we don't actually put it on the calendar we don't make it a part of our routine and part of our spiritual plan we're going to lose this game yeah. it's very important to win the game by being intentional and setting along that because what we're saying to ourselves and to them is you are more important than anything else i got going on and they should be, because guess what? Your wife is first and your children are second. So they should be more important than anything else you got going on, you know? That's right. Moving on to the third point here, um, again, to help your daughter feel secure in your love, and that's that she must believe that you will die for her. You're going to sacrifice, um, we talked about, I just mentioned earlier, you sacrifice your own selfish desires and wills, but the, you're willing to do that for her. 
and that you're willing to protect her from the toxic world, protect her from the darkness, protect her from um, boys. And as Devin stated, um, you know, the boy within you or the selfish um, man within you. And these are so important things. So my practical advice for you is get a shotgun and learn how to polish it. Um, and, um, and so uh, that could help. That could be, uh, you know, um, an issue. But I, I do think that there's a lot that we could go into. So, Sam, what are your thoughts on um, on this point here? Yes, and I do think there is a sense in which we we do need to take very seriously that protective role. Uh, we are the guardians we are you know the doorkeepers so to speak to who comes into our daughter's life and i think a lot of dads are scared of doing this they don't want to be unpopular they don't want to be a curmudgeon they don't want to you know ruffle any feathers or anything like that and yet you know just look around look around at our culture and what happens to girls whose fathers don't watch out for them, who don't take care of them. They get eaten alive by this culture, you know, and by, you know, the lustful, immature men out there who just want to use your daughter. They don't care about her. They don't care about her heart. They just want her body. And like, mm -hmm. if you're a dad and you don't care about that, there's like something deeply wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I would rather perhaps err on the side of being a little bit overprotective than being underprotective and just letting anyone come into my daughter's life. You know, I know my daughter's very young now, but I still, I still worry about it from time it's to time. It's a concern. Like, she's a beautiful. My daughters are beautiful. And I just, I think to myself, like, there are so many unruly men out there. Like they better mm -hmm. watch out, you know, they're coming through me first. And like, and again, like the world might say, oh, that's, that's a stupid attitude. Like just mm -hmm. let them live and learn and all of these things. And like, no, like, take it seriously like for crying out loud like if anything matters it's like your daughter's heart like guard it and i'm not and i'm not saying like you know a guy has to be absolutely perfect you know and and has to have his super high paying job and has to have been a navy seal at some point and you know and done a triathlon or something and you know mastered every facet of virtue but i but seriously though like what what kind of people are you letting approach your daughter like they should they should kind of be on notice like you got to go through dad first like <laughs> that's that's my personal opinion anyway um, yeah, no. um and yeah i would much rather err on the side of protectiveness than permissiveness um yeah because the culture is toxic it really is and it it tears girls apart and and i do not want that for my daughters I couldn't agree more. I just want to add one little statement here. You mentioned that the world will, you know, scoff at this, if you will. And and Dave Ramsey had a quote that I remember him saying is that I don't go to a homeless person for financial advice. And I'd say right here, we're not going to the world, you know, for advice on, on protecting our daughters. And I think you're spot on. We need to be overprotective. And so, Devin, you've had some success. You've got two daughters that have already found men um into your words better than you <laughs> and um and so and so yeah. thanks be to god for that so what are your thoughts when it comes to uh protecting what did you do uh well and successfully to to bring this about how did you respond to god's grace in these moments yeah i think that the first one was that i protected them from uh myself so, like we were talking about sam i think well one of you mentioned the idea of protecting from himself 
especially in terms of lust and everything. I think one thing though, for me, I'm very sarcastic. I, you know, and I have a real bent for that. And women, and this is a very important point, young girls, daughters are much different than boys. Like you can be sarcastic with your son and it'll slide. It, he, he gets that you're at some level, he kind of can get it, you know, like, and, and because there's just something about the male mind that understands, oh, wait, we poke fun at each other a little bit. The female mind, especially young girls, they don't get that, especially mm. when it comes from dad. In fact, if you're sarcastic about something that matters to them, like if you touch upon their looks or you touch upon something that they've done, like a performance kind of situation, you're Amen. done. You, yep. you have That's a nuclear bomb. You have just launched a nuclear bomb and they will never forget. They will never forget. And so I had to learn early on to protect them from myself in terms of sarcasm. Literally, yeah. the Greek of that is to bite, to chew, to gnaw at, right? And and so also to protect her from me goggling at other women. Mm -hmm. Um, that was huge. But but then I think that with the with the guys, yeah, I just a, a really great example. I remember this guy telling or this woman telling us a story. She's a young, beautiful woman, and she was going to the beach with her friends and all of her friends were wearing two pieces. And she asked her dad and mom if she could wear a two piece. And her dad said, no. And she dug in, she got upset. She did wear the wrestling singlet to the, you know, to the <laughs> beach. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But she did wear the, you know, but she did wear the, the one piece and, um, but she didn't talk to her dad for like, two weeks. I mean, she was stone cold. She was hardcore mm -hmm. and he let it ride. He didn't bust in. He just let her have her time. And then finally, you know, it was like maybe during dinner or something, he maybe said something about something else. And then she busted in. She said, how could you, how could you embarrass me in front of all my friends and make me wear that one piece, you know, swimsuit when all my friends were wearing the two pieces. And he just calmly, he looked at her. He says, because you are beautiful, because you're gorgeous, because you're mine, and you're meant for so much more. And I will not allow your beauty and your dignity to be handed over to young, lustful boys to be taken advantage of because there is somebody waiting for you who you're going to be worthy of. That was it. And guess what? She says that story with a beautiful smile on her face because she married that right guy. Wow. And I think that when it comes to clothing, when it comes to anything, you know, that's how we need to talk to our daughters is like, look, yeah, I don't want you to look like an Amish woman, nothing against the Amish, but I don't want you to yeah. look frumpy and all that. You know, we see that in a lot of Catholic circles, which kind of yep. just, it really bothers me, you know, because it's like, you don't have to repress beauty. We're just saying dress modestly, right? You yeah. Know? So don't go trying to be ugly on purpose is what I'm saying. But I think that with our daughters, we need to say, look, you are beautiful and you don't have to wear that super tight pair of jeans in order to be beautiful. You just are beautiful. Now, I will say this, with the first two, easy. You know, I mean, they were just so compliant on all this and we were constantly reassuring them of their beauty. But as time goes on, those older daughters and their husbands and, and more of life is seen, et cetera. And the younger ones maybe want a little bit more of the world, right? And so you have to pick your battles and you have to know which mountain to die on. And you have to ride the pedal a little gently sometimes and just work. Because the thing is, is what you don't want to do is you don't want to shut them down and say, no, this is the way it's going to be.
You are not wearing mascara. You're not getting earrings, blah, blah, blah. You, but those are easy ones, right? But no, no. And then they think, I'm never talking to him again about anything. Yeah. yeah. You want yeah. At, at, at the baseline, the key is to keep the communication line open so that that way you can continue to speak love into them. You can continue to assure them of their beauty. Even when maybe they're with their free will, they're going off the track a little bit. You're keeping those communications lines open. And I found, this is what I found. When my daughters want to kind of stretch it because they trust me, they come back. There's like this little bit of a rubber band effect. They'll stretch it a little bit. And then they realize, ah, it's not as good as what I thought it was. And then they come back. And I find they're more virtuous after that. Like yeah. it hasn't been repressive. They've learned it, which I love. There's just a couple things that I do need to add to this point here. So I, uh, before we jump on to anything else, um, is that we need to protect her also from the plan that you have for her life versus the mm -hmm. plan that God has for her life. And so I think that this has been something that I have um, fallen many times, is that I am naturally type A I have to be the best at everything and I no. have to work towards this. I know. And so <laughs> when I was bringing up, you know, praising her or praising your daughters for their report card, I can, I learned that praise God because of my wife early on kindergarten, first grade, that sort of thing is that I have to actually really temper myself because when they get straight A's, I'm just like, yes, this is it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then when they get a B, I'm like, let's figure out what we need to do to manipulate the system or what we need to do to make sure that you can get an A next time, you know? And, and I have to protect myself from, because we need to cultivate within the heart of our daughters, the woman that God needs them to be, not the, woman that we think they they should be and so that's that's god's role and that's where he enters in with his grace and we need to allow them to flower through these boundaries that we're putting up and through our roles as fathers and so i just wanted to to mention that um and then finally because we are imaging god the father it's so important that in this area we are also protecting her from those areas that are not of god right so our own anger and you guys have mentioned other things right reactions and stuff like that but i always go back to um uh, in Moses, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That who, that's who God is. That's the image that we have to create. And frankly, if you're somebody who's quick to anger, if you're somebody who's prone to reaction, right? Um, you got to temper that. You've got to work hard against that. You've got to start building up the virtues within your own lives so that that's not pushed upon your daughter. And so I think these are really important points that I just wanted to get out there um, as um, other thoughts when uh, how you're willing to die to, to yourself and, um, and that she can witness that. Thank you for joining us on uh, that part of the episode. If you liked what you heard and you want to go deeper into it, head over to Catholic Gentleman Plus. It's a great way to support us. It also gives you just tons and tons and tons of incredible resources and material to help better, better live your life as a man. This week, we're not coming out with a live question that we're answering, but if you have one, we love answering those. So send it to us at podcast at catholicgentleman.com. We get those um, and we read through them and then we bring them up on uh, the episode. If you want to record yourself asking the question and send it via email, we'll play it here on air so you can have yourself heard by uh, thousands and thousands. And so, um, again, so grateful uh, for those questions. Please send them uh, our way.
So now we come to a part in the episode that we all enjoy, and that's the putting on the new man. This is actually to challenge you men who are listening to become a better man this week with something that you actively have to do. And so this week, it might not come as a shock, but it's going to be to take your daughter out on a date. Now, I want to say that this is for all men. If your daughter no longer lives in the house and she lives around you, surprise her. Give her a call up and say, hey, sweetie, I'd love to take you out to dinner, right? Um... You, I'll, I'll, your mom, your mom, maybe not volunteer your wife, but your mom can watch the kids. Um, you know, work through that though. Find a way. If she doesn't live near you, make it a point to give a phone call to her just out of the blue. These are important things. Our daughters are always um, welcoming that and they always will. If this is not something you've ever done before, even better. Start now. So for us younger fathers, this is the opportunity, right? Within the next seven to 10 days, set it up on the calendar like Devin was saying, um, put it there that you are going to take your daughter out. If there's financial burdens in the family, that's okay. Go to a park, um, take a popsicle, maybe not during the winter, take some hot chocolate and, um, and, uh, play a board game with her, right? There is myriad, uh, infinite of possibilities that you can do to make this a reality. So the only reason I mention all those disclaimers is so that we're not hearing listeners here make excuses as to why they can't do this for their daughters. And so this is a challenge to each man to take their daughter out on a date this week. Devin, anything you'd ask? Sam, anything you'd, you'd add? I cover all the bases. You covered them. I just awesome. got to tell you, my daughter dates were some of the best moments in my life. Mm -hmm. I remember taking my daughters to this uh, park and just grabbing some donuts and a, and a coffee, you know, sissy coffee, you know, foo -foo <laughs> coffee and just sitting up on the hill, looking out over the river and seeing the steamboats and the train go by. And we had a picnic. Yeah. And man, it, just some of the best conversations, the best time ever. And I just, you know, now that they're older, I I wish I had more of those now. Mm -hmm. So you've you've encouraged me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try to talk to my son-in-law to arrange it so he takes care of the kids, and I take my oldest daughter out. Amen. Amen. I love yeah. it. Well, thank you, men, both so much. It's always um, so enjoyable, especially to hear your relationship with your daughters to help me uh, better my relationship with my daughters. So I really appreciate you being with me you today. Too, John. You too. Well, as we end each of our episodes. Be a man, be a saint.